Hey, we're Panels in Motion, a monthly podcast where we read a comic, watch its movie adaptation, and figure out what went right or what went wrong. We focus on a wide variety of non-superhero comics. One month will be an American independent comic like The Mask or Kingsman. The next will be a European comic like Persepolis or Tintin. And the next will be a Japanese manga like Lone Wolf and Cub or Silent Voice. I'm a writer. I'm a director. And I'm a cinematographer. So we all have different perspectives on why an adaptation might or might not work. We're also a show where a discussion of Middle East education or the sexual revolution can take place alongside a discussion of the pros and cons of Jim Carrey's face. There is truly something for everyone. So check us out. Go subscribe to Panels in Motion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And follow us at Panels in Motion on Twitter and Instagram. See you soon. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are my pals, Matt and Liz. And after we finished our prequel rewatch, I started talking to them about uh, how there are all these different fan edits of the prequels. And I mentioned that I had watched once one called The Blackened Mantle, and I thought it was really interesting. And so we decided to sort of wrap up our prequel Palooza series by talking about one of these fan edits. And so we had just watched Revenge of the Sith a couple weeks ago. And now here we are watching this film that is very much a Revenge of the Sith-based prequel movie. Like, it uses Revenge of the Sith as sort of the bones of the film and then uses the first two films in flashbacks only to fill in some plot details. So, Liz, I'm going to start with you. What did you think overall of The Blackened Mantle? Well, I I will tell you that I went into this having no preconceived notions of what this was going to be like whatsoever. Um, and, and so the minute I started it, um, I, I was like, oh, so this is what this is about. We jumped immediately into action, um, you know, with Darth Maul. Um, the, the crawl was very short. And then um, I, <laughs> and then I also had zero idea that, the movie was dubbed that it was in Japanese. <laughs> so, so, and there wasn't too much dialogue in the beginning. So right. I think Yoda was the first character to speak. So when we started talking, I was like, Oh, this is a stylistic choice to have Yoda speak in Japanese. And then I realized, Oh no, the entire movie is in Japanese. Right. Which allows um, the filmmaker to change the dialogue. Which was something also I was slow to pick up on because at one point I was like, Oh, I was like, I didn't really realize Anakin had said this. I feel like it adds something to his character, his motivation. Maybe mm-hmm. it was something in the translation. And then later on, when Anakin and Padme were talking, we had talked about timelines. And she said something about, it's been six months since you've been here. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't think she said that. And then later on, I realized, oh, they're changing things. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess my first impressions were, confused because I I didn't pick <laughs> up on things at first um I but I I think I liked that they changed the story mm-hmm. uh, and I, there were elements I liked I, I will say at one point I think in the last fourth of the movie I nodded off for a little bit um I, so there were elements I really liked and I I it's long I was hoping I was hoping I was <laughs> yeah. hoping it would be fast-paced and it wasn't somehow still 
<laughs> Matt, what did you think? Yeah. I um, Overall, you know, we'll get into specifics yeah. in a minute. <laughs> no, overall, I thought they made some really, really smart choices. Um, I realized how much more the movie could have been cut because it is long. It It is... It is a task to watch. It's not like Wizard People, Dear Reader. It's not like a fun reimagine. Um, but it it makes some really, really smart choices that I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting reinterpretation. And like Liz said, just so many simple things. A tweak here, a word difference makes everything make so much sense. It doesn't necessarily make it better. Um, but at least it's not a just clusterfuck of nonsense like we <laughs> talked about last time. So, yeah, it it really does tie up a lot of ends in ways that are really, really great and then opens up another can of worms for no reason. So, well, I, yeah, let me start by saying this. This is only 21 minutes longer than Revenge of the Sith. Hmm. So even though it felt long, it it did I don't think there's too much that you miss out on from the other two prequels, and it's still just slightly longer than Revenge of the Sith. Like, I, really? I think, yeah, Gosh. isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, I'm not like trying to think. That, like, what did they cut? Like, I they cut. They to, they cut they cut some of the stuff on Kashyyyk, I believe. Yeah. Uh, they, they cut some of the Jedi Temple stuff. Yes, they did. Um, they cut, um, I think they cut one of the, like, Palpatine flirting with Anakin about the dark side <laughs> scenes. Like, I feel like there was one less of those, but I could be wrong about that. Maybe it just felt yeah. less because you didn't hear Ian McDermott just, like, chewing the scenery as he walked through the set. Um, yeah, well, that that was very interesting to hear his voice, not in, you know, his normal, you know, no, no. Yeah. I do have to say, everyone sounded so much more badass in Japanese, except <laughs> for Christopher Lee. You can't. Yes, you can't be Christopher Lee's voice. That is that is true. He's just he's just too. Why good. didn't you just get him to do the Japanese? I'm sure he's fluent. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I, I want to first talk about sort of what they chose to keep from uh, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. So we we get almost all of the interaction between Qui-Gon and young Anakin kept in. Although some of it has changed, we get most of that. We get most of the stuff with Shmi, Anakin's mom. Mm -hmm. We get most of the stuff with Grievous. I'm sorry, not, not, I'm sorry with Dooku, rather. Grievous is only yeah. in Revenge of the Sith. We get most of the Dooku stuff. We get um, most of the Darth Maul stuff. Mm -hmm. And we get a tiny little bit of Anakin and Padme from both films. That That's really it. Was there anything you guys felt was missing from the prequels that wasn't included here that you wish was? No, because I, I think they could have even cut out more of it. <laughs> I don't think we needed I, – I was shocked how we didn't need anything dealing with Camino. Yeah. And then, and then I was like, oh, okay. We probably just could have cut out 
uh, Genos, the bounty <laughs> under uh, was Zach Zach's I forget her name now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the female bounty hunter, you could have cut out all of that. You could have cut out Django Fett. You could have cut out everything, and it wouldn't have made a difference. I, I um, think the reason they wanted to keep that bounty hunter is because this film makes a decision that the Padme is the one who's trying to be killed throughout the entire. Like, they, they, there's a real clear line between like Padme is trying to be killed by Darth Maul, and then Pad and then Padme is trying to be killed by her. Like. There's just there's there's this like long line of Padme being in danger, which is used to reinforce Anakin's fear about Padme being killed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand why they kept that stuff in there. Okay, I, was, I, was I can su- see it from that perspective. Yeah, I was surprised that the death sticks line remained in. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure yeah. that would have gone, but no, no, yeah. the death sticks were still there. Yep, they um, did reinforce that Obi Wan doesn't like flying though. They mm, did. Yeah. They yes. weaved. They weaved that in earlier, and then came back to it. I loved that. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely. Amazing. Yeah, I kept thinking as I was watching it. Does this still make sense? Because you know we're familiar with these movies, but I, I, I think all of the stuff that was cut was fine. I, I don't think you needed any of the other stuff. Mm-mm. No, I mean, I, I think that there's a. There are crazy people out there who might say, like, you need some Jar Jar stuff. I don't agree with those people. Jar Jar appears in one scene asleep, and that's plenty. Just sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. you know. They also cut out a bunch of the minor Jedi, which in the long run doesn't matter. Right, right, yeah. Um, they cut out almost everything with the Trade Federation. We get them a little bit on um, Mustafar at the end of the film, but there's really mm-hmm. nothing of like the politics of the Trade Federation, which again, by me, is totally fine. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you need to add more politics to the to the Star Wars <laughs> films. Um, yeah. So pulling that out is is fine by me. Uh, I'm trying to think what else was missing. I mean, we we missed that great scene at the diner from uh, Attack of the Clones. Aww. Yeah, no, no Dax, no Jawa juice, yeah. um, no Jawa, no uh, no pod racing. There's um, a reference to it, but no. Right. Somehow, uh, Watto still shows up with the same offensive accent. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't keep slaves. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> also removed midichlorians. Yeah, it gets mentioned a couple of times, mm-hmm. like very briefly. Briefly. Uh, but it's ne- like, there isn't that scene of Qui Gon. Like Qui Gon, we see him. He's supposed to be helping. Anakin after he's been injured in a in a crash of some kind, mm-hmm. and it, we were kind of led to believe I think that the Jedi that like his ship crashed and Anakin helped him. At least that's kind mm-hmm. of how I took that scene. Um, yeah, yeah, but no real midichlorian stuff. Uh, my personal favorite thing that they cut is there is no flippy shit with Yoda or Dooku. Like the, Yoda <laughs> yes. never fights, and when Dooku fights, he doesn't do that that like stupid flip off of the balcony in the beginning of uh, Revenge <laughs> of the Sith. It's just gone. Yep. So I was very pleased about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that that you specifically talked about, Matt, when we talked about Attack of the Clones, was how it's so weird that all those battle droids can kill like the greatest warriors of all time yeah. on Geonosis, and they cut all of that out. They, they actually put yeah. in dialogue to say like we're overwhelmed by these few Jedi that are here, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which which makes total yeah changes sense. the whole feel of it yeah yeah, 
we should say for anybody who's interested in, in watching this, if you do a, a cursory Google search, you'll find it. it. It's not, it's not incredibly hard to find, but it's not on YouTube either. Um, but if you if you search for it, you can find it. And this mm -hmm. is something that Lucasfilm actually is totally cool with. They have said for years that any fan can edit any Star Wars film as long as they don't sell it. Uh, so mm -hmm. they are they are cool with it. There is a there are really really good films. I don't think the third one's out yet, but they're called uh, the first one's called Star Wars Revisited. Second one's called Empire Strikes Back Revisited, and it's somebody who basically is taking the like every available source. So. Uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, laser discs, VHS tapes, and then tweaking them all. So he's basically removing all of the special edition stuff from the original three films, but is cleaning up all the special effects so they look as good as they do, like on their best formats. And okay. uh, so I have DVD, I have burned DVDs. Of, uh, of the first two and they're they're excellent they're really really good and so Lucasfilm mm. has, has always been like yeah you fans want to edit them go right ahead so I think that's really cool and I think it's really cool that that fans do such a heavy edit I was thinking about how you would go about making this and it was giving me a headache oh I can't imagine no I, yeah like ju I ju just think about First of all, you have to figure out like okay, what stuff is worth keeping. Then you have you have to basically write a new script or get you really have to get the original scripts and mm -hmm. then you have to listen to the dubs because sometimes you could tell like they needed to use the word Jedi in this piece of dialogue because you can hear that word. That word does not translate. Jedi is Jedi in any language. So you mm -hmm. need to be able to use that bit of you have to be able to put the word Jedi in there so that it matches up if people are listening. Um, so it was, you know, it's, it's like a Herculean task to do this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, an astounding amount of work went into creating this. It's a labor of love. Yeah. Yeah. Dedication. Yeah. Um, so I, I we're going to get to some additions in a minute. I'm trying to see if in my notes I have any other subtractions it took out. Um, One of the things I really liked is that at the end of the film, you don't see Luke and Leia born. And why I like that mm. is that one of the, the things that I've argued, because there, there is a theory, which, which I maybe I talked about before on the show, called the machete cut, which says that the way you should watch these movies is A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and then you should cut out episode one watch episodes two and three so basically you end empire with the reveal that vader is luke's father then you mm -hmm. watch the story of how luke's father became darth vader and then you watch return of the jedi which kind of wraps it all up right the problem with mm -hmm. that though is that when you watch that you find out before leia does that she's luke's twin sister mm -hmm. because at the end of the movie you see padme say luke and leia when they're born so mm -hmm. by removing that, you could theoretically watch this in between episodes four and five and get the full story of Anakin Skywalker and not ruin the reveal of Leia, which comes in Return of the Jedi. Hmm. So I, I, I yeah. really enjoyed that um, aspect. Um, the other thing that they, that they – I guess it's really a change 
more than a removal, but there's no hiding of Anakin's marriage to Padme. In in mm-hmm. when we see Anakin and Obi Wan saying goodbye after he kills Dooku, Obi Wan says, "Go be with your wife." Yep. And so it never really goes into. I, I guess we didn't know before Episode One that Jedi couldn't marry, right? Because like in all the old extended universe books, Luke was married. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so it makes sense to me that they would just ignore that fact and make it so mm-hmm. much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it even changes that line when um, Obi-Wan leaves Padme when he guesses that they're Anakin's kids. He just knows mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. that's, that's something they've sort of flirted with for a long time. It's just easier not to worry about it. Yes. Yeah. Um. Was there anything else that you guys felt was removed that was good or that was bad? I mean, we didn't need Django Fett. That's totally fine. Right. We we got about five minutes of Django Fett, and that's probably more mm-hmm. than enough. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Okay, so I... I oh, 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 the removal of the term Order 66... I don't know if that comes into a replacement or what, but I thought that was really interesting. What does he say? I didn't even notice that. Uh, he he initiates the Great Purge. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which makes more sense considering there are no other orders. It's not RoboCop. We have not been introduced <laughs> to a number of other orders that they must follow unquestioningly. So. Right. <laughs> That makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, yeah, that's actually really interesting. I did not even yeah. think about that. And again, there's so many just subtle tweaks that just make things make more sense. Yeah, yeah, that's one of them. Well, let's talk about some of those other um, tweaks. One of the things that, as you know, is a bugaboo for me is uh, the fact that they didn't free Shmi Skywalker. And in this, it's just very simple. We're both freed. <laughs> Make yeah. it so much easier. Yeah. Hey, I bought your freedom. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. But I'm taking your kid. Uh. Yeah, but it, yeah. it just creates another problem. I mean, I don't. I, I think they could have done a better job here. Like they should have. He should have, should have said, "Mommy, gonna come with me," and she said, "Like, yeah. no, my place is here." And that would have that would yeah. have been fine. That would have been a totally more logical way to do it. But she just kind of says, okay, peace. <laughs> yeah. It, it, the change didn't really make things much better. Yeah. It, it just, it just made yeah. uh Qui-Gon seem less heartless. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like, yeah. <laughs> you know, not just freeing the one of them. Right. It was a win for Qui-Gon. You're right about that. Yeah. Um, the other big Qui-Gon, um, bit here is that Qui-Gon says when he's dying to Obi-Wan like you have to train the boy but if he turns to darkness you know what you have to do yeah. which, which I feel like is a weird thing to introduce <laughs> six sevenths through the movie or whatever but it was, it was all the way at the end <laughs> yeah when the movie opened with that scene right yeah and, and I understand that maybe it was trying to build dramatic tension to get us to that point, but it just mm-hmm. felt like a, a really weird 
thing to uh to just kind of toss out there at the very end of the movie. <laughs> I, yeah, I think... it, it, <laughs> again, obviously if you're doing a if you're doing a dub or a subtitled based on the Japanese voice acting, there's obviously some line of anime nerd in you and it just felt like a very anime thing. Yes. You know, this one last puzzle piece that you didn't know existed just fitting in to make it all connect in some ham-fisted way. I was like, oh yeah, that, you know, no, that's an anime way of doing things. Mm. Yeah. I did like that. Perhaps it was something Obi-Wan was struggling with over time. Yeah, I think if that was introduced in the first 10, <laughs> ten minutes, well, it would have been great. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was just I a agree. weird thing to throw at the end of the movie. Yes. Um, there wasn't much else with with Qui Gon, but I did like also at the end of the of the film when Yoda is talking to Obi Wan, he basically he says the veil of death has fallen, and mm-hmm. he says lots of old friends will be returning to us, and that to me makes a lot of sense with the Force ghosts at the end of Return of the Jedi, where yeah. like it's not just Qui Gon that's coming back. We were learning how Jedi will be able to do this. You know, so I thought that mm-hmm. was again just like a very small dialogue tweak that worked pretty well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. All right. I liked how well I, I don't know if I like this or not. There's a big difference to the Darth Plagueis story. It mm-hmm. it, it, it it becomes a lot less first of all, he never calls him Darth Plagueis, he just says my mentor Plagueis or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but that story changes a little bit. He basically, um, he basically drives himself mad trying to, trying to defeat death, and yeah. um, that is not taken as a warning by Anakin. <laughs> it's taken as like a, <laughs> oh, I'll just do better than that guy. <laughs> which, yeah, you know, which which is a very Anakin response. Actually, that's mm-hmm. a, that's actually pretty true to character. I think. Um, what did you guys think of that change? I mean, I liked it a lot. That also ties into the whole change of Anakin's visions. Um, yes. That he, he's plagued by these visions of the future. Um, and he envisions um, his wife being m- murdered, not just he wants to prevent her death, but he sees her death and wants to change that outcome. So he's fighting against fate, which makes more sense than... I want to keep everyone around me alive forever. And also the Darth Plagueis, you know, I like the fact that he was troubled by visions as well. Not that he learned how to create life. That'll become an important plot point. Six movies later. Um, It just ties in just a little bit. It keeps things a little bit neater, but does take some of the ambiguity out of it where, you know, it's like clear, like, Oh, this was my mentor definitely murdered him what's up we should right. hang out more yeah <laughs> also we, we should mention that um shmi mentions anakin's father in one scene oh i didn't pick that up no me either she she says you'll see the galaxy like you always wanted to and like your father did mm. so it, it takes away the uh the, the virgin birth of anakin which again is like which fine still has not really been addressed in a meaningful way <laughs> exactly so it, it's absolutely fine with me that that was that that was removed um mm-hmm. and that makes total sense to remove that uh, so yeah i liked that matt this is a question i have specifically for you because i know that you have lots of general grievous thoughts 
yeah and you kind of have to you got to remember this was done before the clone wars tv show was a thing mm-hmm. what do you think of the idea of darth maul surviving and then being uh general grievous i thought that was an interesting take on it not having both the grievous storyline and the darth maul storyline um i mean it it didn't really make sense a lot of it um i don't know i i i don't know because there was this idea of you know seeking revenge and it made more sense of grievous as a villain compared to obi-wan right but also it was a three-hour film with a bunch of flashbacks that were sort of out of order anyway when it came to Maul, so it didn't feel any more impactful than Grievous being a random nobody. See, the one thing that I liked about it was I feel like this film does a really good job of giving uh, Obi-Wan some... um, some some agency in the film for himself as mm. opposed to just being the tool of Anakin's story. And so, like, I really like the scene between uh, Count Dooku and Anakin when he's suspended in that animation with his Doobie Brothers slash Jesus hair um, <laughs> where he basically... Um, Dooku says to him, like, you know, Qui-Gon was my best uh, apprentice. I kind of wish that you had killed Maul because he killed Qui-Gon. And he's like, he's, he's planting these seeds for Anakin to basically, because, you know, again, like all the Sith want is they're selfish and they want chaos and they want everyone else to die. So he, he's basically setting Obi-Wan up to, to kill Grievous and to, to become his new apprentice. It just, it gives, it gives Obi-Wan a bit more of a story in this film. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. I can see that. That's, I like that take. Liz, what did you think about the Grievous as Maul thing? Um, I I don't know. I, I feel like with the flashbacks and things like that, it was a bit convoluted to me. Um, I you know, it, it, at first, again, it was something I didn't pick up on. It took me a little bit. I was like, oh, now I see what's happening here. Um, and I, I do like your point about Obi-Wan and his agency, and I do feel like he's a much better developed character on his own here, mm-hmm. um, in this film than he is in the prequels in general. Um, and I guess if that's one good thing that comes out of this Grievous thing, I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just think that it, it gives Obi-Wan some more emotional stakes in this. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it seems like there's more of an emotional connection in some sense to killing a Sith here when it comes to Obi-Wan and Anakin when they both do that. Yeah, I mean, Anakin, is as they say of him at one point in the film, like, he's the only person alive who's ever killed a Sith. Yeah. Which I thought was, was like, it's, it's a statement that I guess is sort of obvious in the films, but was never said, and so I, I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk about... Um, but the Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon kind of, Obi-Wan and Anakin, rather, their relationship in this film, I, I think that there's a lot of really good stuff here. I think that the, there's, again, like Matt was talking about the small tweaks of lines. The fact that Obi-Wan says on Mustafar, 
my brother is already dead, you murdered him. I loved that because that plays directly into A New Hope, where he tells Luke that Darth Vader betrayed and murdered your father. Like, that line of dialogue <laughs> establishes that, yeah. that, quote, lie that Obi-Wan says in A New Hope. Mm. Um, and I, I really like that. I, 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 I never had a problem with that in A New Hope because I felt like that was Obi-Wan trying to save Luke's feelings. Like, I, people, people really disliked that line, but I, I never mm. really had a problem with it. But I think that this does a nice job of sort of reinforcing that line in a way. Yeah, um, I can see that. So I liked that. I also liked that um, Anakin, while he goes dark, he doesn't go, like, he doesn't kill all the younglings. He abandons mm -hmm. the temple, which allows them to be killed, which is tragic, but it's not as, like, just over-the-top evil. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guess you could say maybe that undermines his his turn to the dark side. But to me, his turn to the dark side here feels more natural. It feels like he doesn't go from normal Jedi to kid murderer so quickly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So. I, I feel like this film, am I calling it a film, was really yeah. most successful when it comes to characterization. And I feel like Anakin it seems like here he was just portrayed as being more easily manipulated mm -hmm. um and i think a lot of those decisions here at the end of the movie reflect that too yeah yeah e even the reframing of him being encased in the vader armor um it shows that he's just a pawn being used yeah. um and he talks about how much he hates the emperor and really sets that situation up um yeah, I think that's, again, a really smart way to make the character a bit more of a victim than just a nonsensical villain. So, I, I yeah, I like, I like that. Yeah, because even in the beginning, he seems a little more warm. He seems less toxic and creepy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And, I and I like how he carries the weight of killing Dooku throughout most of the film. Yes. That is a decision that he cannot wrap his head around. Um, and it it really plays into the him in the Mace Windu, where he, when he's in these moments and it's heated, and he gets his cues from the Emperor, he makes decisions he then immediately regrets. Mm -hmm. And he does it with Dooku, and it weighs on him, and he does it with Mace Windu, and then at that point realizes that he's, he's now too far gone. turned a point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but again, it, it's it's creating this kind of sympathetic character that just does not exist in the films themselves. Yeah, I I thought overall there was a lot to um there there was a lot to unpack with Anakin's character development here, and it all comes down to some pretty simple choices. Like there, there really isn't that much that happens in these films that doesn't happen in some way sorry, in, in this, like in this edit that doesn't happen in some way in the prequel films, right? Things are maybe slightly restated. Maybe the timelines are a little bit thrown off, but there's not a ton of, of, especially with Anakin, there's not a ton of new Anakin stuff here. 
it's mm-hmm. just it's just tweaked a little bit more. Um, the one thing that I thought was really clear in this film, or this edit rather, um, Liz got in my head about calling it a film. Uh, Sorry. That, that's Sorry. Fine. No, that's fine. I just wrote down, down edit, so I remember to call it that. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that because they put the mall death scene or the or the, the mall dismemberment scene right before Anakin's dismemberment scene, you see how Obi-Wan – and they took out the high ground line, which I really like, <laughs> but y- you see how Obi-Wan realizes, okay – I jumped over Maul's head and he didn't stop me and he could have. And so that's how he knows to do that when Anakin jumps over his head. Like mm-hmm. he's he's using his past experience to do something that I thought made a lot more sense than him just saying like, dude, I have the high ground. Because we saw just two <laughs> films earlier that Obi-Wan was able to make up for the high ground and kill Maul or, or mm-hmm. chop him in half. Um, so I, I thought that that was, that was a nice change. If you notice, there is never a mention of the chosen one. Yeah. In this, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I mean, I I know it's theoretically a big piece of it, but I I don't know. I can't get behind the chosen one thing. I, <laughs> it just never comes to fruition in any satisfying way. So I'm I'm fine with dropping it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I still, I, I don't know. I feel like it's connection to his visions. I guess they're framed as dreams in this edit. I, you know, I don't know. There's such a big connection. I feel like between his visions or dreams that do still haunt him in this film, in this edit, sorry, not film. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about it either. Well, I, I liked, um, I liked that they showed at the end of the film that Obi-Wan used to be, haunted by dreams as well but he worked through them so it seemed and i feel like that's a nice way of connecting obi-wan and anakin together through this that they they had more similar experiences than maybe we'd we'd realized before i liked that um i i liked how the sort of idea of visions or dreams or whatever i liked how that was and matt said this before like that's sort of the the like connective tissue of the whole thing. That is mm-hmm. what connects Darth Plagueis. That's what connects Obi-Wan, that connects Anakin. And, and I think it, it works pretty well. And it's something that allows you to have, it kind of lets you to have your cake and eat it too, because you, you can, you can foreshadow things, but you can foreshadow it in a way where it doesn't have to come true. Or mm-hmm. you can make, even sort of the most ridiculous, absurd things come true because there's already been an established link to that thing. If that makes sense, like it just it, it gives you a lot of plot leeway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I enjoyed that. Uh, let's see what else is in my notes here. Oh, I thought it was really interesting that when Palpatine is uh, lightninging lightninging himself against uh, Mace Windu. <laughs> Afterwards, he says to Anakin, you now see my true form. I had to hide this when I joined the Senate. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that makes way more sense than him just getting yeah. – than lightning making him a wrinkly mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple things that they just openly talked about stuff that has been theorized. Uh-huh. Um, yes. Yeah, that was one of them that just 
you're like, okay, no, this does just this 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 fits. This is smart. <laughs> <laughs> California raisin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ridiculous. So, I did like all, at the end that I guess Padme did not die from despair. Yes. Yeah. She Anakin was killed. Did. She was killed by Anakin, which which makes yeah. it so much more tragic. It yeah. does. Yes. Um. All right. What else do you guys want to talk about? What other notes did you have written down? I um I like the idea. The only thing that I, not the only thing I've heard now, but the only thing we haven't talked about is the idea that this movie really frames the story in the Clone Wars themselves, or Clone War, depending upon which one you want to go with, whatever. <laughs> um, but it's kind of that thing we we're talking about with the clone, the you know the Clone Wars series. The war is kind of the backdrop of all of this, where it kind of takes a back seat in the films themselves. Just, I think, in the choice of where they highlighted and the timeline they highlighted um, made it feel much more, I don't know, at the forefront and made everything fit a little bit better. So I don't think I explained that well, but that's all right. No, I, I know what you mean. I yeah, yeah it, it, it just gave a good backdrop to everything. Because again, I guess when you're not starting randomly with a you know trade blockade and then a race and then you know war happening at the last three minutes of film two, you're able to kind of give a better sense of it. Everything seemed very urgent. Mm-hmm. Which is something that I don't think is I think it's present in Revenge of the Sith. But it should have been present in all three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one thing I, I did find really interesting is they consistently re- re- refer to the separatists as rebels in this. Mm. And I mm. liked how that is somewhat foreshadowing. Like in these movies, we think of the Republic as the good guys, but this is foreshadowing them being the bad guys and they're being rebels to take them on which is something that we'll see obviously in a new hope but also in pretty much every subsequent star wars media after this the rebels of the good guys mm-hmm. so I, I liked that um i i just think as i was watching this it gave me it gave me some feelings of being able to to take some, I, I guess, how can I say this? So, as an avid comic book reader, one of my favorite things to do is to tell people who want to like read a good Batman story. I can say, read this and read this, but don't read this. This falls in the middle, and this sucks. You don't need it. Just chop it out. Um, mm-hmm. You really can't do that with films, because I think all three prequel films have something in it that's necessary. So it's hard for me to say, all right, put on Phantom Menace. Anytime Qui-Gon's on screen, watch it, cut out the rest. <laughs> like you, you, can't, you, you can't really do that, right? But this yeah. but this kind of does that, right? And so th- this gives you a sense of like, oh, there is there is enough stuff in these movies to make to have something make a lot of sense. And while mm-hmm. there was stuff that was changed in this, 
again, I don't think it changes any of the fundamentals. I think it changes yeah. I think it changes the path that the story takes to get there, but it doesn't really change the story at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think by the time you get to a new hope, it all evens out. There's no there's nothing that's gonna be different because you watched this versus watching the three prequels. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, you miss a cameo of Jabba the Hutt, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, bummer. You know, <laughs> uh, my one sort of uh tonal note here is that because we've seen the films before, this kind of felt like a clip show. Um, we're like you're revisiting. Remember that time we were on Tatooine, and then you know, and then you're on Tatooine, right? Like it kind of felt like that. But I wonder if somebody, I, I kind of want to like not show Ben the prequels, mm-hmm. and then just show Ben this movie and see if he has any, uh, you know, if 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 he takes it differently. Because I mm-hmm. wonder if you didn't know those scenes were coming, how this would read. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it cuts out so much of the goofiness Mm -hmm. um, that just distracts you from the story, too. It's funny, like, watching the the dinner scene, for example, with Qui-Gon and Shmi and um, Anakin, but no Jar Jar. Right. Kind of, you know, yucking it up. It's, it just makes everything... You know, it, it keeps the feel of it because so much of these prequels is goofy nonsense that drags you right out of it. We don't have all the droid nonsense, the Jar Jar nonsense, all that sort of crap. Yeah. Hmm. I I really wonder how this would read if if we hadn't seen these films before. Mm-hmm. Me too. It, that's what I was thinking about most of the time I was watching it. I wonder, I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you, I, you, you would have to miss some of the stuff, right? That's what I'm thinking. I think the flashbacks would have been confusing. In mm-hmm. I was thinking too, I, I, at the one point where they combined the battles from um, clones and revenge of the sith um like the arena battle when they were focusing on Uh obi-wan and they combined those two battles i felt like that actually it probably wouldn't have been confusing i think it was more confusing since i had seen both of those movies yeah i i think that some of i think that what what the what it does well is that you know you always know who obi-wan and anakin are Mm -hmm. and they have very distinct looks for each period so like as long as you're paying attention to to how Jesusy Obi Wan looks, you know whether that's current day or that's flashback, right? True. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I feel went... like if you were watching it without without having the knowledge of those films, you would know like okay, well that's that's obviously younger Obi Wan or that's mm-hmm. mid period Obi Wan. So I think just because we're trying to figure out where those scenes came from, yeah, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. 
I'd be very interested to, to find like a young. <laughs> I basically I have to create this in my own home. I have to not mm-hmm. let Ben watch the prequels and then let him see this and see what he thinks. Um, but yeah. So here's my question. I do not want to do it anytime soon. But how would you guys feel like in a year from now watching a different prequel edit? Instead of instead of watching the prequels again at some point, watching a different edit because there's probably a hundred of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, would could, that be something that would interest you? I could do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think it'll be it'll be a fun thing to revisit like once a year, mm-hmm. and just kind of see how everything shakes out, and see yeah. if there's things from different edits that are that we like better or worse than others. Yeah, I think it's the most palatable way to revisit the prequels anyway. So. Palatable is a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you for listening, folks. We have a, a a whole slate of stuff coming up. I'm really excited about all the stuff we have coming up um, on the show. Uh, we'll be back next time with a review of the first season, uh, the first episode, rather, of season two of The Mandalorian. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a, a book club coming up. We have, and we'll talk about that on the next episode. We'll tell you what the book is, so you have lots of time to read it. Actually, I guess we'll do that right now. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new, it'll be out at the beginning of November, uh, that from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back, which is a series of short stories about uh, that take place around the time of The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new Lego Holiday Special, which debuts in November, uh, mm-hmm. and and lots more. So it, it'll be super duper fun. Um and yeah, thanks for listening, and remember, until next time, the Force will be with you always.